Treva and I just feel so appreciative to pastor a church um, that we dearly love and that we feel the love coming back to us. And so, God, just God bless you. Thank you for your gift. Um, a couple of months ago, I felt like the Lord placed a sermon on my heart, so I'm not going to go to Romans today. Um, and I, I, all, all He gave me was a title, and I couldn't figure out how it went together. So I, I, I know not to frustrate myself um, with those things now. I used to. and um, But I, I just knew in the right time the Lord would, would show me how to put this thing together. And so today I'm going to be bringing a sermon to you that in some ways has been several months in the making. Don't get your hopes too high. Um, <laughs> and that doesn't mean it's going to be long. Um, I'm just hoping that it ministers to you. And I believe it will. And um, you know, all, all week I've been praying, God, only you know who needs to hear this sermon. And I just pray, Lord, let them come if this is the sermon they need to hear. And I pray that it speaks to you. And if, it, if you're not there right now, just take note because um, this has a way of happening to all of us. And so uh, the title of the sermon is When Life Throws You a Curveball. When Life Throws You a Curveball. And, um, and so I, I, that may not mean much to you, but my, my oldest son was a catcher. Um, up until high school, and he was a really good catcher. He would um, really did really good in that field. And um, but in high school, they started throwing curveballs to him, and he could not catch the curveball. And it, you know, the curveball it, it comes straight, and then all of a sudden, right at the end, it, it takes a dive, and he just he just couldn't get it. So they had to move him, and he went to second base after that. And um, and that's the way life is, right? You know, nobody plans to get divorced. Nobody sets their eyes on, oh, I hope the doctor gives me a bad report today. <laughs> yes. You know, give me something challenging, doc. You know, nobody plans to go to work and get a pink slip, find out that they're not employed any longer. Those things are not planned, but they happen to every one of us. Every one of us. So um, I want to talk to you today about that. And we're going to turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 13, and we're going to talk about Abraham and Lot. And so I know that every one of you have heard many sermons from this, and can I just ask you, don't get ahead of me mentally, don't, don't get ahead of me with what you've heard. Stay with me and let the Lord minister maybe something different to you. So Genesis chapter 13, verses 1 um, through 13, it says, then Abram, you know, his name was not really Abraham. Now I'm going to refer to him as Abraham a lot. Um, but his name at this point was Abram because he hadn't received the promise. Um, he says, went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him to the, to the south. Abr, Abram was very rich in his livestock and silver and in gold. He went on his journey from, uh, from the south as far as Bethel. To the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of um, all the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them and they, uh, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites um, then dwelt in the land. And Abraham said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll go to the right. If you want to go to the right, then I'll go to the left. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan. It was well watered everywhere. It was before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zorah. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abraham or Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent 
um, even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Father God, I just come before you today. Lord, I believe that you want to do something very, very powerful today. And it is not in me to do it. Lord, the best I can do is stand up here and give some words. Lord, if you don't add life to it, it's just words. So God, I'm asking you, Lord, to make the words that come from my mouth your words. And I pray, Lord, that the ears on the sides of the heads of these people would become alive to hear the voice of the Spirit of God today. God, I'm a little sick and tired of our people being defeated. And I'm asking you, God, to break that off. I pray, Lord, that you break off any spirit that's not holy in this place. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, for you are my rock and my redeemer. It's in the precious name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Every one of us make decisions every day. Make lots of decisions. And sometimes we don't really think a lot about the decisions we make. And we definitely don't pray about the decisions we make. You know, we just sort of respond. And and the, the, the bad part about that is whether we know it or not, but we have so much worldly training in us that sometimes we make decisions the same way the world makes the decisions. And that's never of God. And so, none of us set out for defeat. None of us make decisions thinking that, oh, this is going to cause some real chaos. I think I'll do that. That sounds like fun. We, we don't do that. But it seems to happen. And so, um, I, I just want to show you some examples today. And I want to show you or tell you, what do you do? How should you respond when life is not turning out the way you had it planned? And so, let me give you just a couple of examples. Moses had to leave the palace, right? He, he was the stepson of the, of the king, of the Pharaoh, but he tried to do good for an Israelite, wound up killing one of the Egyptians, and he had to flee for his life, spent 40 years in the desert because of that one decision. That was God's man. <laughs> Joseph was given a dream by God and blabbed it when he should have kept it silent. And he wound up getting thrown in, uh, getting sold into slavery and then uh, went to work for Potiphar and his wife took a liking to him and started flirting with him. And because he was such a man of integrity, he would not succumb to that. And then he was accused of rape and thrown into jail. And then, and then the guys that should have remembered him didn't remember him, right? Um, David was anointed king when he was probably 16, 17 years old. Went to give his brothers some stuff, you know, some cheese and crackers or whatever. And um, out there on the front line and saw this big old giant. And, uh, and he said, I'll fight that old fella. And so he went from being a nobody to a somebody just like that. And sometimes that'd get in your head, right? Uh, but he, he was he was just a national icon after that moment. And then he went into the king's court, right? And because the king had a troubling spirit, that's demonic. <laughs> Anybody got a troubling spirit? Let's just cast that off right now, okay? That's just from the devil. But that troubling spirit would arise, and they said, "What you need is somebody that can come in and and play some." Um, classic music for you <laughs> didn't have radio back then they had david so he'd come in he'd start playing these songs psalms actually that he had written to the lord and it would bring peace to the king king saul but saul got jealous of him tried to throw him throw a spear at him and then for the next 13 years he ran he hid in caves now this is a guy who has been anointed as next king is now hiding in caves. 
Boy, sometimes God takes the long way around the the trip, right? Just didn't seem right. Daniel was um, a man of God. The Bible says in Daniel 1.8 that he purposed in his heart not to defile himself. Man, I, I love that sentence. And so he stayed true to his values and he winds up spending a night with the lions, right? And God protected him anyway, but he still still went through the lion's pit. Stephen preached one sermon. <laughs> one sermon that we know of, Stephen preached and winds up getting stoned for it. But you know, the neat thing about it is they all sort of have a happy ending. That one doesn't seem happy. But he's, the, I think, the only person in the Bible that records that Jesus or God stood up to welcome him home. So that's pretty awesome as far as I'm concerned. So the first thing I want you to know about the story we just read is Lot was a righteous man. Now, I know in your minds you hadn't been taught that. But you forget what every preacher has told you and stick with the Word. Okay? Lot was a righteous man. Now, he made some bad decisions. But, uh, you know, how you see this is is really critical. Um, did he have some problems? Yeah. You know, you're righteous because of Jesus. Do you have some problems? Yeah. You know, some of you are short-tempered? Yeah. <laughs> some of you are stingy? Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? We still deal with that flesh, right? So, so did he. You know, when, when they go together, and you, you, you read the story, and Abraham says, Lot, Lot was his nephew, and um, he said, Lot, he said, we're getting too big, and he said, I, I just don't want the strife between our families. He says, pick whichever side you want, you know, you take whatever you want, and I'll go the other direction. Lot looked over here on his right, and boy, it looked pretty. I mean, it was well watered, it was, it was good ground, looked over here, and it looked like desert. And, you know, I wish I could rewrite this story. I wish Lot would have said, uh, let's do this. Now, I'll take this, that's half of that and half of that, and you take this, it's half of the good and half of the bad. But he didn't do that. There's a critical line here. He said he lifted up his eyes. He lifted up his eyes and he saw. You see, how many decisions do we make in life Based on what we see. Right? I can't tell you, you know, how many young men fall in love with this rather than with this and this. Buddy, she might be spitting out green soup. You better, you better get to know her. You know, her head might spin around backwards. You don't want to fall in love just with what you see. You don't want to make any decision on sight alone. I, I, I teach the young people. I've been doing that for uh, you know several years. And I remember a few years ago, a uh, different class actually, but I remember asking them how many people are praying over the career that you'll choose. Not one hand went up. These are our kids been raised in our church how well are you praying for your future spouse not one hand was raised these are our kids trained by us and they're not praying over the most important decisions that they will make in life where are they getting that pattern from us we have got to walk this out and teach our children. I'm not talking about praying over your tomatoes, but you can if you want to. I knew a girl that prayed over the tomatoes that she bought. I, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to say the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Treva, you pick them out. <laughs> but I would just like to see us increase in this. As we pray, you see, the, the best way in the world is to not make a bad decision to make a good decision, right? But if you've made a bad decision, what do we do with it? And if you made good decisions that have turned sour, you know, I, I know a guy and he's preached a few revivals here for us. 
great man of God. But he went home one day, many, many years ago, went home one day and his wife said, I don't want to live with an evangelist any longer. What can you do about that? Well, the Bible says what you do. The Bible says if they want to leave, let them leave, right? He didn't, wasn't a, wasn't a great time in his life, but God has, has helped him. Also in this particular scripture, the Bible says that Abraham or Abram called on the name of the Lord. See, Abraham was the example. Abraham was praying and calling on God. Lot didn't get it. So even if you live the example, your children may not pick it up. But we've, we've got to try to do as, as, as well as we can. And then the Bible says Lot pitched his tent. He said, I'll take that over there. It looks really good. And this is the way I'm seeing it in my mind. He pitches his tent and pitches his tent. And as the years go on, he just got a little closer to Sodom. A little closer. A little closer. And then as we read later on in Scripture, the Bible says that it calls him a keeper of the gate. You know what that was all about? It's like a judge of the city. He had become so ingrained in this wicked city that even when God tried to deliver him, he left, but his wife was so attached. She looked back and became a pillar of salt. You guys know that story. We need to seek God before making our decisions. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I quote this a lot. This is a challenging verse to me. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. I sort of got that. Here's the part that troubles me. Lean not to your own understanding. Come on. Do we not do that? Can, can you just be really honest with me? Is anybody here, before you make a major decision, do you take a piece of paper, draw a line, and put pros and cons, and you start listing them? Yeah, you guys can repent with me. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not I'm serious there. I don't think there's any wrong in that. I think it's wise to try to consider everything and to listen to your wife. Wife, listen to your husband. Because you will help each other making these decisions. But there comes a time in this decision making where you've got to forsake what I feel and what I think. And if the Lord speaks, you go with that, even if it's contrary to what you feel. Emotions is not a good leader. That's a that's a whole lot better statement than what you just amened. Folks, by and large, we walk by how we feel. We let emotions lead us. I went to a seminar one time and it said feelings are neither right nor wrong. But they'll get you messed up if you walk by feelings. So the Lord has told us not to do that. He says, in all your ways acknowledge Him, He'll direct your path. In James chapter 1, verse 5, he said, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally without scolding. It's a different version. Without scolding you. In Proverbs twelve fifteen, it says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Listen to your counselors. But make sure your counselors are godly. Right? Don't get ungodly counsel. Sometimes we make bad decisions. What do you do if you make a bad decision? And you realize it really fast. Get out of it. As quickly as you can. Even if it means eating some crow. Get out of it. If you can get out of a bad decision fast, get out of it. If it goes on and you can't, then then we'll talk about that um, a little bit later. Sometimes what appears to be physical or natural is actually something that's just going to plague us spiritually. It's it's an attack of the enemy that you don't see it as a spiritual. Att- Does this make sense to you? You need to nod your head or or because I'm going to keep harping on it if you're not getting it. Um, we, we don't often get spiritual things from the Lord 
we see it so naturally, so physically, that there's the spiritual side. In other words, okay, let me go this way. Jesus taught a parable, and he said the man goes out and he sows seed in his garden, and man, it's looking good, but the enemy comes at night, and he takes the weeds, and he sows weeds in the garden. Folks, hear me. That's still happening. See, you have an enemy. And the enemy may be planting thoughts in your mind of defeat and making things appear that it's good when it's evil. You need the wisdom of God for these decisions. Because if you go with your eyes, I I told one person this week, the counterfeit always appears before the genuine Satan will always send a counterfeit. You've got to be patient and pray and, and make sure that God is, is leading. Your best understanding will lead you off. Second Peter chapter two, verses seven through nine. I believe I have it on the screen. Starting, start up in the middle, or verse seven is tied with verse six, but you didn't need that. He says, and delivered righteous lot. You see that? You you may have it in your mind that Lot was evil. He was not. Because God's Word is right. God's Word is right. Delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man, dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing the lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. You listen to me. I could put your name in that scripture right there. (laughs) Those of you that are my age, you know and you can testify Life has changed. The conduct of America is different. These young people, what happened to my young people? My young people got old. (laughs) Stanley's over there. My young people, Stanley's like. (laughs) Oh my goodness, you can't even plan stuff like that. The Bible says his soul was tormented. You get that word? You know what it is to torment somebody. You know, they used to do that in the old days. They'd stretch them. But see, the devil does that to your mind. The devil wants you to live in torment. So he steals the peace of God. He steals the joy of God. You see, his saints, his people... He said that you would overflow with joy and peace. You feeling that? You know what I feel? I feel the torment. I feel like my soul is tormented by the society in which I'm living. Have you turned TV on lately? Can you find anything that's worth watching? It's filthy. Even pure flicks, okay? I just feel like this is such a a verse for us today that our soul, whether you know it or not, whether you've stopped to think about it, but our soul's mind, will, and emotion. Okay, that's our soul. Mind, will, and emotion. My mind is being tormented. By politics. My mind is being tormented by the news. Right? It's being tormented in, in the life that we are have. The Bible says, come out from among the world and be separate. Well, man, I'm like, just get me out of here, Jesus. I'm just tired of this. Right? But here's the good news. He says, but the Lord... <laughs> The Lord knows how to deliver the godly. Hallelujah. 
the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. I don't care what you're in right now. You may feel so deep that you're that you you know you're in it up to here. Can barely breathe. I feel like I'm smothering in this junk. God knows how to deliver you. Isn't that a good word? Do you realize we are never helpless? We're never hopeless. L- listen to yourself talk sometime. How are you speaking? Are you speaking like an unsaved person? Are you speaking like someone that knows their God? It's easy. I, I find that people that have dealt with sickness and problems for a long time, it turns from physical to spiritual. And the battle no longer is about the, the physical pain. It becomes about the mental anguish. The, Lord, the, the Satan is tormenting souls all around us and right here in the house. But God knows how to deliver His people from temptation. Don't, don't you forget that. It's easier for me to think that Lot was just evil. I, I would rather, I would prefer to think, well, Lot was just an evil man making ungodly decisions. And you know what happens when I do that? I become like one of Job's friends. And when Terry Brown starts going through trouble, it's easier for me to say, well, clean up your life, girl. Right? We, we look at each other with judgment instead of compassion. Instead of saying, that could be me. And maybe we'll be next. That's not good preaching, I know. You'd rather turn on TV and, and hear that you can give $100 and get 10000 back. Hallelujah, you can build a church on that. The only trouble is not truth. He was very clear with us, in this life you'll have temptations and you'll have trouble. Jesus never, He never taught that nonsense. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Right? When you got people that are going through significant problems and it's getting to them emotionally, don't be, lo- don't be one of Job's friends. If you're going to be like that, stay away from them. They don't need that. They need someone with compassion. And you know, you may not have the right words, but you can be the right person. You just keep your mouth shut. Just let them know that you love them, that you're praying for them. And that there's some powerful words in Scripture. And it says, and it came to pass. You can either believe that your problem today is here to stay or it's come to pass. I don't know about you, but I like that phrase, and it came to pass. (laughs) What I am facing today, if it's really bad, I hope to have hope that it's it's leaving. It's on its way. can't tell you how long that season will be, but I can't offer you hope that God knows how to deliver the godly. I want to talk to you a little bit about what I've just been mentioning. And it's called oppression. Oppression. I'm not talking to you about demon possession. I'm talk- I, I don't believe that Christians can be demon possessed. Because the Bible says nobody can serve two masters. If you're born again, I don't believe you can be demon-possessed. If you're not born again, I definitely believe in demon-possession. And I believe we probably deal with it more than what you know. But what do we deal with as, as godly people? Oppression. Oppression is mental pressure or distress. It's prolonged 
um, cruel and unjust treatment or control. It's subject to unjust treatment. In other words, you hadn't done anything bad. Maybe you hadn't made the bad decisions. But maybe you're going through hell right now. And it's unjust. You know, people in Jesus' lifetime are just like today. They want to know what caused this. Hey, what, what caused him to be born where he couldn't hear? You know, I, I knew a precious family 30 years ago. Precious, godly people. And she was pregnant and she delivered a, a baby girl. That baby girl was born without a foot and without a hand. And that baby girl now is grown and is doing great. Well adjusted. Loves Jesus with all her heart. And that family never batted an eye as far as I know. I mean, was they disappointed? Absolutely. Did they go on? Absolutely. Trusting Jesus, loving Jesus, and God made a way. He never grew that hand out. I was praying he would. He never grew that foot out. But he made her an overcomer. You see, I think sometimes we tell God how he has to answer our, our, our problem. God, you need to do this. You know, a lot of times God just don't think the same way we think. And so why don't, why don't we just say, God, buddy, I need you. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, you have my permission. Get busy doing something in my life. Ephesians 4.27 said, don't give the devil a foothold. So the very first thing that I believe that you need to do when you start seeing that you are oppressed and that there's, there's just a, a problem that just keeps, keeps lingering. I just can't get past this one. What do we need to do? First of all, check your household for an open door. Have I done something Folks, this is why I, I hate alcohol. I mean, I hate it. Because it's a door opener. You know, I mean, they call it spirits for a reason. And uh, it, it doesn't come alone. Alcohol can open the door to some wicked spirits in your life. I, I just don't see that it does anything good. I cannot tell you, well, it relaxes me. I just want to slap you. <laughs> Come on, try reading the Bible or praying. That might relax you too. Don't have the consequences. So the very first thing I think is really wise, don't give the devil a foothold. And then uh, Paul is writing, he's just real practical. He said, let him who stole steal no longer. If that's your path, stop it. Stop doing that offending behavior. He says, rather let him labor, let him work, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. So examine yourself. Ask, you won't know this, probably. So you ask the Holy Spirit. See, because we get so used to walking in the mistakes that we're walking in that they're not clear to us. And, and especially if it's part of your tradition. If this is the way I raised, I was raised and I've just continued to do it this way. Well, you need the Holy Ghost to shine a light on you so you can, so He can show you, you need to close these doors in your life because they're allowing the devil access to you mentally, spiritually. I, Okay, I'm not going to get on my soapbox, but I, oh, I could get out of here. <laughs> Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, he says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua, the guy that followed Moses, Joshua 1 9, you back up in there, you'll see that that very verse, or very similar to that, is there about three or four times. I mean, God spoke it and spoke it and spoke it and spoke it to Joshua. What do you think was going on? <laughs> what am I going to do? How am I going to follow Moses? Right? God wouldn't address something that wasn't happening. He said, be strong. Be of good courage. I'm with you. 
If I said that to you, you'd say, so what? (laughs) Big whoop. And I would agree with you. But I'm not saying it. God is saying it. God's saying, you can be strong and you can be of courage. You know what the the opposite of courage is? Discourage. So how many of you today, I know you won't raise your hand, but how many of you would be brave enough to say in your heart, I've just been discouraged lately. Then I've got a word from the Lord for you today. Be strong and of great courage because God is with you. You may not think you can go through this, but you can. You hear me? You can overcome this, not because you're so wise or so strong, but because He is with you and the Lord knows how to deliver the godly from temptation. That's God's Word. Boy, it's so easy to think, I'm by myself. I don't have anybody I can depend on except me. I could only imagine when you lose your spouse, that that really wants to hit you in the face. Whether that's through death or or divorce or whatever it is. I I can remember when my mom died, thinking my mom died and then my father-in-law died, my mother-in-law died. Within a period of about three years, we lost everybody. And it was like, it's you and me, babe. And I'm not so sure I'm very good. (laughs) It's you, babe. (laughs) Psalms 34, verse 17. You know, it's it's so funny as I prepared this sermon, I actually typed the wrong verse in this. I, I was wanting to go somewhere else and I typed this verse and I, I thought, oh man, I put the wrong verse in there and I went to get it out and I thought, I think that's from the Lord. (laughs) So this is the verse. It says, the righteous cry out. You are the righteous. You hear me? The righteous cry out and the Lord hears. So you may not feel it. It might not register in your soul. But the word is truth. So he says, when the righteous cries out, the Lord hears and delivers them from all of their trouble. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. Hallelujah! How many widows and widowers do we have in this place today that would just repeat that line? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. That's me! And He saves such as a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. That's all of us. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers them from them all. Got to get my glasses on. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. This is Psalms 37. The arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. Hallelujah. Right? God is on our side. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We think the word wait means sit down and twiddle your thumbs. That's not it at all. The word wait is more like a waiter. It's somebody that serves the Lord. There is that period of, okay, I just need to be still. I need to be quiet, but it's not without faith. Does that make sense? I am waiting for the answer of God with great anticipation that He will answer me. Because He knows I'm in trouble. And I've already called on His name. So I'm waiting for that answer of God. And I will not fabricate it in my mind. That was from the Holy Spirit. That was not from me. I will wait for the genuine word of the Lord. 
Isaiah wrote in another chapter later, he said, Fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you. Yes, I'll help you, and I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians verse 5-7, This particular scripture, I believe, is in the Bible four times. For we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Is that the right way? Did I quote that right? We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. One of them says the just shall walk. I think it was originally in Habakkuk. The just shall walk by faith. But we ain't trained to do that. Every one of us was teethed on walking emotionally. What you see, what you feel, what you can figure out. Make the best decision you can. And that is not scriptural. I want you to think the thoughts of God. And there are some things in life that you will not be able to figure it out. And the Bible says, don't walk by sight. When you walk by sight, you're opening yourself up to a lot of discouragement and despair and hopelessness. But when you walk by faith, on the worst day of your life, you can say, in God I trust. It may not be good today, but I believe He's on a way. And it gives you the strength to fight another day. Let, let me say it one other way. One of the reasons that it concerns me about people missing church so much. It's not like God can't work in your life out of church. God can. But I find that God does a lot of great things in church. This may be your service. This may be the service where God delivers you. Do you know what salvation means? Soundus. It's soterra in the Greek. Soterra. And it means healing and deliverance. <laughs> you know God wants to deliver you from fear? You know, fear is evil. There's nothing good about it. You're, if you're afraid of spiders, God wants to deliver you out of that. Small spaces? Don't get personal, Pastor. <laughs> I, I, the only thing we ought to fear is God. I don't know how this verse is hitting you today, but I can tell you it has stirred my heart. The just shall walk by faith. The Bible says, keep your eye on Jesus. Somehow, see, the way I see faith is not biblical necessary, but I, I see faith as like a lasso. <laughs> I, I come up through the cowboys, right? <laughs> you got this rope in your hand. And their promise is in the sky. And this lasso called faith is going to throw that around that answer. So I throw that lasso. And I get it around the answer of God. And I start pulling it. And tugging it. And it may take a while. But I ain't letting go. Because God is my helper. Right? When all of life seems to be despair, God is on your side. Just keep pulling Him in. Hope that helps you. I think I have one more verse that I want to give you tonight. Today, sorry. And this verse is so overused, I, I really had second guesses, second thoughts. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God to those who are the called according to His purpose. I know this verse is overused. Brother Hudspeth told me that um, when his son got killed, I think in a car wreck, wasn't it? And uh, he was like 19 years old and got killed. And he said he was just distraught. And he said people quit, kept quoting this verse to me. And he said, I just wanted to say shut up. I just don't want to hear it. 
But this verse is still true. It's sometimes hard to hear when you're in the middle of the worst battle of your life. And I know that I'm talking to some people that you're, you're wanting to almost dismiss me because you're not in that battle. But there's others that are in the battle right now. And it may appear that you're losing. And I just want to tell you, don't walk by sight. Walk by faith. Lasso that promise of God. And don't let go. And know that this verse is true. God works all things. It doesn't call all things good. He said, I'll I'll work them together. I'll take the bad things of your life and bring it together and I'll bring good out of all that disaster. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me today? I, I want you to... I feel I got four things here that I felt like the Lord gave me. It's possible that you have made some bad decisions in your life because you did not ask God. Hear that? You didn't seek God's face about this decision. I want you to respond to the Lord if that's you. It may be that you you made the best decision with prayer that you could, but it just went sour on you. It just it just was beyond your your expertise and and it just turned, and so now you're dealing with the aftermath. The third category is there are people under the oppressive hand of Satan right now, and you're dealing with depression, and God wants to deliver you. God wants to break it off of you, and He is, he is the God that can do that. And the fourth thing is, if you've opened the door to Satan, today's a good day to close it not open it again I mentioned alcohol pornography is the same thing pornography is a spirit there's an evil spirit behind that thing that will slip into your house and will pervert everything good but yeah you know we think well we need to teach our children against pornography no we need to teach everybody you know it's not even just a man's issue anymore it's a men and women's Kids and grown-ups, rich and poor. And most people in the world don't even think it's wrong. Guys, it's, it's in the Bible. It's listed as witchcraft. It's called pornea. Sorcery. And we're opening it up to our houses. We need to close that. We need to close it. God help you. God help us all. So... If any of those are you, if you just need prayer, I'm going to ask you to come up front here. To me, this is the altar of the Lord. It's a place of sacrifice. And you're the sacrifice. And so I think there's some things that as a body of believers, we need to say, God, I am placing this on the altar today. I'm asking you that you burn it up. And I want to pray for you personally. If you are going, if, if you feel like you need to be delivered, something needs to be broken off of your life, I want you to come and stand right in front of me because I want to lay hands on you and I want to pray for you and I want some of you elders to come and pray with me. So we'll sing this course. Let the Holy Spirit touch you and lead you.
some people. You do that. Come and pray. Come and find someone to pray for. Remember love. Remember mercy. Christ before me and Christ behind me. Your loving kindness has never failed me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. I need